Hello, and welcome to episode 101 of My Circus, My Monkeys. Last time we talked about the importance of stopping on a regular basis to reflect and assess what you're doing and how you're doing it. If you aren't doing that, you and your team are absolutely wasting time and energy doing the wrong things. But after you do all that, the next step is just as important making changes based on those assessments. Unfortunately, most folks don't actually put those changes into action, no matter how well-intentioned they are. Today, we're going to talk about what to do once you know something isn't working for you or your team. So stay tuned. You're listening to My Circus, My Monkeys, the podcast for supervisors in education or any field that emphasizes growth and development. If you want to reign in the chaos and transform your team to better serve your students and clients, keep listening. This podcast explores essential information on supervision, employee engagement, and using a strengths-based framework to empower you and your team. We'll examine the latest research in psychology, neuroscience, education, and beyond to help you and your team get to the next level with your host, Ann Brackett, the Chief Engagement Officer of Strengths University. We talked about how your talents can show up as weaknesses. To that end, many of us have talent themes that get stuck in thinking mode. You're thinking and thinking about whatever, but the doing part is a challenge. For example, I have intellection and input, both of whom are happy to just collect and sort information forever. I've mentioned before how easy it is for me to research and research things, but it typically takes a deadline to throw me into action. And if there is no deadline, it's just something I want to do, I'm definitely guilty of overthinking and doing absolutely nothing with all the wonderful thoughts I've thunk. I've seen and talked to so many other supervisors who do the same thing. Folks get stuck deciding how and when to do something and have trouble putting it into action. Why is that? One of the things we talk about in the Supervisor Strengths Institute is the role the subconscious mind plays in your daily life, including dealing with change. Long story short, your subconscious mind does not like change. And since your subconscious mind is driving your thoughts and actions 95 to 99% of the time, that means you really need to get it on board if you want to start doing things differently. Your subconscious mind thinks it already knows exactly what you're supposed to do. To use our example from last episode, let's say your, your conscious mind decides, hey, I don't think this open policy thing is really helping me or my team. We really need to do things differently. Your subconscious mind gives zero bleeps about that idea. It's kind of like trying to explain to a toddler how to do something when they're already convinced they know how to do it. There's a good chance they're ignoring you at first, and when you start to try and help them, they lose their little minds. Same thing with your subconscious. I don't want to do a deep dive into subconscious today, but suffice to say, it's really not down with whatever newfangled thing you have in mind. And that's a huge problem when your conscious mind has identified a habit or system that isn't working well. This is why so many people fail at changes throughout the year and the upcoming New Year's resolutions. 
but I want you to be successful with those New Year's resolutions and all the changes that you've decided will improve your life. I'm going to talk about the things you need to take into account when making changes in this episode. But we're also doing a five-day Habits Upgrades Challenge the first week of January. There's a link in the show notes where you can register. We'll go deeper into this process during that challenge, but let's walk through what happens in your mind as you decide something isn't working. And again, we'll use the example of constantly getting interrupted with the open door policy. Because you keep getting interrupted and frustrated that you can't get things done, your conscious mind decides, gee, this sure isn't working for me. I can't get anything done. And you even come across a solution. You know what? I think it would be better if I set up more frequent and consistent one-on-one meetings with my team. That way, they know I have time set specifically aside for them and we can discuss everything at once. Now that's some great assessment and problem solving going on there. But unless you actually implement the new one-on-one system, you're going to continue to be frustrated and not get things done. And unfortunately, that's where most of us get stuck. After all, how many things do you know aren't working that you've been meaning to change? Now, as I'm walking through the open door policy example, feel free to substitute it with some of the things that you've been meaning to change. The real issue is that you can't bring about lasting change unless you get your plan from your conscious mind to your subconscious mind. And that's tricky because the conscious and subconscious don't directly communicate with one another. So you can't just talk to yourself in the mirror or think harder until it seeps into your subconscious. You have to speak to the subconscious on its terms and make it as easy as possible for it to adapt to your upgraded habit. Now, to keep this episode at a reasonable length, I'm going to briefly talk about the different elements you need to consider for your upgrade to be successful. You can call them steps if you like. Just keep in mind that there's not necessarily a specific order in which you need to do these. In fact, you might bounce around among all five as you work through the process. So we're going to start with emotions, because even if you think of yourself as being particularly logical and rational, your decisions and actions are still driven by your emotions. Neuroscientist Dr. Antonio Damasio studied folks who had injuries to the part of their brains that controlled emotions. And what he found is that people cannot make decisions without emotions. Folks who had injuries to the emotional centers of their brain couldn't decide anything. They couldn't decide where to eat, what to wear, or the first thing to do on a project at work or at home. Even though you may value facts and believe they're guiding your decisions, in the end, It's your emotional response to those facts that drive your decisions and behavior. And because your choices are determined by your emotions, you need to understand which emotions are keeping you stuck in the status quo. Look at it from two levels. There's the big picture. So the emotions you're feeling that made you realize that doing whatever wasn't working. That might be anger, frustration, etc. But there's also a micro level the emotions that are feeding this behavior. What do I mean by that? Well, back to our open door policy. You may be frustrated by the policy as a whole, but how are you feeling with each interaction? Do you feel happy or excited 
when you solve somebody's problem? If so, your restorative, strategic, or similar talent theme is getting an emotional hit from that situation. Maybe you feel love or value when you help somebody. If so, your empathy, significance, or other similar talent is getting an emotional hit from that situation. You're absolutely getting something out of the status quo. Otherwise, you wouldn't be stuck there. But you need to understand what these emotions are before you can get the new plan implemented. Once you've established which emotions are driving your current behavior, you need to decide how you'll feel when this new activity or process happens. Again, why? Because your emotions are driving your subconscious mind. You need to pair that new emotion with your new system or habit. So again, looking at both the big picture and the micro level, how will you feel when you switch to consistent one-on-ones and all those interruptions stop? Instead of being frustrated, maybe you'd feel at peace or empowered. And think about those interactions within there. How are your talent themes going to feel? Now, those emotions may be very similar. After all, you're still going to be solving problems and helping people. It's just going to look different. What's especially important at this end of the equation is that you need to actually feel the emotions, not just think about them theoretically. You can't just say, oh, well, obviously I'm going to be less stressed and feel empowered if I did whatever that new thing is. You need to imagine yourself successfully implementing this new system and feel that empowerment or feel that relief. Remember, you need the emotion because that's what's going to drive your subconscious to action. All right, next element, your stories. Once you've done your emotions work, you need to address the stories or limiting beliefs that have been reinforcing those emotions and thus the old habit or system. Now we've talked about stories a ton on the podcast, so I'm not going to do a long explanation here. But as a reminder, stories echo the programs that are running in your subconscious. Say you decide people constantly interrupting you isn't working and you think, I need a better system. A story is going to pop into your head to keep you locked in the status quo. Maybe something like, oh no, we can't change that. My team or my students will think that I don't care about them if I set up any barriers between us. Or maybe, sounds great, but that's impossible. I don't have time to set all those one-on-one meetings up. Basically, when a story pops up, it's your subconscious telling you to get in line. It's telling you the status quo is the way to go. And hopefully you can see how each of these stories sets off an emotional reaction. Now, just to clarify, you do actually have stories that reinforce the things that you want to do and are in your best interest. But as long as those stories are actually helping you get where you want to go, They're serving you and you don't need to change them. And as long as you do this work with your subconscious, you're eventually going to have new stories that support your upgraded habit. Stories like meeting with my team on a consistent basis helps everyone be more productive. I'm not constantly interrupted so I can get things done. And consistent one-on-ones increases communication and trust between me and my team members. But before that can happen, you have to identify which stories are currently getting in your way. You need to think about the stories that have kept you stuck in the status quo. I'll give you a few examples, but it's going to be different for everyone based on your talents and your experience. 
If you have empathy, a story might be, if I tell a team member or student they need to come back later, it'll hurt their feelings or cause them more distress. Or if you have activator, you might think, it's always better to do things now. I don't want to hold anybody up or have to remember to do this later. Remember, a story is just that, a story. And as much as we may feel that it's true, it isn't necessarily true. It's one perspective and one that's based on limited information, and it could absolutely be wrong. It's a story that's getting in the way of the changes you know you need to make, so it needs to be upgraded too. Once you've uncovered some of your current stories, you'll need to construct a new one. This upgraded story should move you toward your upgraded habit. To craft this story, ask yourself, why is this change important for you and or your team? Think about how you, your team, or your students will benefit. Again, our open door policy one-on-one situation, it might go something like setting consistent one-on-ones with my team would let me be there for my team and get my work done during business hours. When you couple that new story with the new emotions you'll feel when it's been implemented, you'll be better able to reprogram your subconscious and make the changes you want. Okay, next, the plan. In order to move from status quo to your upgraded habit, you're going to have to have an action plan. And it's going to, of course, be different depending on what you're trying to accomplish. But essentially, you need to come up with the steps you need to take to implement this new habit. Remember when you imagined how you'd feel when this new habit was in place? What did that look like? What are the things that need to be in place for that to happen? If you're moving from consistent interruptions to more organized one-on-ones, you might have to do things like schedule meetings with your team, create an agenda, set up shared notes, etc. You need to make a list of what needs to happen for you to successfully implement this upgraded habit. Now, depending on what you've chosen, this could have a few action items or an overwhelming number of things. So for example, if you want to eat healthier snacks, Your list could be as simple as go to the store, buy healthy snacks, put snacks where you get hungry, eat snacks when hungry. That's all easy enough. But if you have one of those longer lists, do not get bogged down on worrying about everything that needs to be done. Make the full list so you know what you will need to incorporate eventually. But for now, you're going to think about what is the absolute minimum you need to get this habit moving forward. If you're setting up one-on-ones, then the only thing you absolutely have to have is time when you and this other person can meet alone. That means the first step is scheduling those appointments and of course, keeping them. The other thing I wanna mention is that we tend to think about what our upgraded habit or system would look like in an ideal situation. Snack-wise, that may mean eating healthy snacks 100% of the time. One-on-one-wise, that might mean 60-minute meetings that have a clear agenda and feature your newfound understanding of everyone's talents. When we think about things from this perspective, we think if the new habit doesn't look like this from the get-go, we failed. Don't worry about things being perfect. Don't worry about having all the elements in place to start. Focus on getting started and being consistent. You can always improve things as you go, but what you cannot do is improve on a habit you don't have. All right, the next element, 
the intention. This may seem simple enough, but to be successful in upgrading any habit, you must have a clear intention to do so. You do the things you do now because you did it once, your subconscious noted the emotional charge you got from that activity, and it decided you needed to keep doing it. By now, you've done it so many times it's automatic. Your brain is just trying to save energy by doing the thing it's already programmed to do. This new thing you have in mind is going to take more energy. You need to get your subconscious over this hurdle by making your upgraded habit as clear and as simple as possible. We use implementation intentions in the Institute, but I can't remember if we've talked about them on the podcast. In a nutshell, an implementation intention is a statement that outlines your plan to do something new. This statement makes it easier for your brain to make changes and accomplish your goal. In fact, research shows that just by creating one, you double your chance of success. The structure of an implementation intention is pretty simple. You give yourself a specific time frame and add in specific parameters like what you'll use to do it, how often you'll do it, where you'll do it, how long you'll do it. For example, during the spring semester, I will set and keep 30-minute one-on-one meetings that occur every week in my office with each of my staff members. The key is being as detailed as possible. You're more likely to follow through because your brain knows what it's supposed to do. It knows your intention. Once you have your implementation intention set, visualize that process from beginning to end. Imagine scheduling those one-on-ones, setting your agenda, checking your notes. Imagine when Brett or Susan comes into your office, them sitting down, etc. Whatever your goal is, visualize it in detail. The point of both the implementation intention and the visualization is to set your subconscious brain up for success. By laying everything out as detailed as possible, it means your brain doesn't have to figure out things in the moment. In fact, when you visualize an experience, your subconscious mind thinks you've actually done it. And since repetition is what turns a new behavior into a habit, that visualization is going to make your upgrade easier and faster. All right, so finally, the execution. You've done a lot of prep up to this point. It's time to put things into action. Now, for those of you with quicker moving talent themes like activator or discipline, you've probably been thinking, OMG, why are you still talking? Just do the bleeping thing. Well, if you're one of the lucky people who can easily make changes and follow through, then you can absolutely ignore all of this. Folks with discipline are particularly talented at implementing and staying committed to making such changes. But if you have a hard time upgrading your habits, you're going to need to do all of this, even if you find it annoying that there are so many other things you need to consider before you can start. All of the things we've discussed so far are going to set you up for success when you start implementing. You created an action plan earlier. so get started. But like I mentioned, it doesn't have to be perfect. Remember to focus on the absolute minimum that is necessary for you to start this process. Do those things. Again, if it's consistent one-on-ones, then the bare minimum is scheduling and keeping your meetings. Even if you ideally think those one-on-ones should be an hour, just start with 15 minutes 
if doing more is going to bring up all those stories and emotions that have kept you stuck in the status quo for so long. The bigger you go, the more likely your subconscious will get triggered and try and keep you from moving ahead. But even if your subconscious does get triggered by these new behaviors, that's why you did all this prep work. You have your story ready to remind yourself why that old story is wrong. You visualized yourself succeeding, so you know exactly what you need to do in this new situation. And you'll use those upgraded emotions in that visualization to reinforce your implementation intention. All of this is going to support you as you reprogram your subconscious to the upgraded habit or system. Then once you put things into action, repetition is key to making everything stick. You'll find there's many opinions about how long it takes for a new habit to stick. But keep in mind, different people might need different timeframes to upgrade the same habit. If you've heard it's 21 days until a new habit sticks, but yours hasn't become automatic by then, that's okay. Just stick with it. If you need to update your implementation intention and revisualize, then do that. The most important thing is to stay committed. Remember, you're not alone if you have felt frustrated about all the changes you know need to be made but never seem to happen. Let go of any guilt or shame about it. It's just that you haven't been taught how your brain works. Now you have more information that you can work with your brain to put things in motion. If you want to go deeper into this process, please join us for our five-day habit upgrade challenge this January. We'll talk about these elements even more and walk you through them so you can upgrade your habits and your 2023. There's a link to register in the show notes. As always, Alicia and I are here to support you as you reflect on where you are and where you want to go. One great way to invest in yourself and your team is to join us for the summer cohort of the Supervisor Strengths Institute. We are revamping the Institute this summer to make it even more manageable for your busy schedule. It is the same great content, but we've condensed it so you can work through each week's modules and start implementing change even faster. We know that life can too easily get in the way of you staying on track, so we've also added a bonus for everyone who completes all eight weeks of learning. You will get an additional 60 minutes of our time, and you can use that for more individual coaching, a short team session, or to receive a discount on a longer team workshop. Our Summer Institute starts on May 28th. Go ahead and register now. Check it off your list. We want you, your team, and your students to shine their brightest. And that starts with you. So join us for the Summer Institute using the link in the show notes. Or if you have questions about the Institute or other services, contact us at Anne, and that's A-N-N-E, at strengthsuniversity.org. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links as well as other episodes on our website, www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.